Hey everybody, hope all is well. So just to recap the Parsha, quickly, honestly not so much going on in terms of, uh, you know, happenings. Uh, Yisro shows up, uh, he gives advice to Moshe about this whole thing with the judges. Moshe is sitting and judging uh, every uh, everybody in all of Am Yisrael, right? Everybody's waiting in line, right? I think customer service is bad now, just <laughs> imagine what it was back then. Uh, and Yisro is like, no, we should set up this whole system of judges, right? And, and Moshe agrees with that. Um, and basically, we move from there to Kabbalah Satoro, preparing for Kabbalah Satoro. This uh, Maimon Ar Sinai, Aser Sadibros, and that's pretty much more or less the end of the parsha. Again, just uh, just quickly, uh, let's just talk about the Gemara and Shabbos and Daf Peches, because the Gemara there says uh, again, I'm pretty well known. I hate saying it's famous in case you haven't heard of it, but uh, I feel like people have heard of this before. Anyway, but, but it has to be dealt with, because Gemara says, that Gemara Darshan's on the Pasuk, that Bnei Yisrael, ostensibly, Pasuk means that Bnei Yisrael encamped around at the bottom, at the foot of the mountain. But if you take the words literally, right, it kind of means, they stood, or they stood themselves, okay, under, hahar, under the mountain. And whether you make the drasha of the fact that it says, instead of, or Eitzel, right? It says Tachtis seems to imply underneath as opposed to next to. So uh, Gemara says, "Amar Abdimi Barachama Barchasa Malamitcha Kafa Kosh Baruch Hu Aleim as a Hargigigis." It teaches me that a Kosh Baruch Hu overturned the mountain over the like uh, above them like a barrel. The Amar Lahem, he said to them, "Imatam Kavlim Torah Mutav." If you, Hashem said, "If you accept the Torah, great. If you love, and if not, Sham Teikfuroschem, there will be your burial ground." Right, implying that basically Hashem said, "Well, here's the deal. I'm either gonna either gonna accept the Torah, or I'm gonna drop this on your head." Uh, and uh, okay, fine. With all the shadows that come up with it, right? The, the shadow we have to deal with is probably the question you're asking yourself right now: Is the shadow that Tosus asked? Tosus says, "I don't understand. What do you mean? Did Hashem force them into accepting the Torah?" Right, that kind of takes the luster off of it, right? We we all hear Nasev and Ishma, right? Pazik says Nasev and Ishma. That's what Tosa says. Well, what about Nasev and Ishma? But Israel willingly, right, accepted the Torah. We will we will hear and we will do. Right, we will do and we will hear. What did I say? Right, Nasev, we will do. Vinishma, we will hear. Right, again, it's not the, they, they dove into it. They said they accepted it without, uh, before they learned what was in it. Now you're telling me that Hashem picked up the mountain, overturned it like a barrel. What's going on over here? Like, and, dr- and threatened to drop it on their heads. Said, I'm going to bury you here if you don't accept the Torah. So what's going on over here? So there are many, 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 many approaches. Uh, let's just bring a couple of them. And, and some of them, and more importantly, the ones that are uh, relevant for us, right? For But to have a, a bit of a Musser, uh, a Musser tint. If you want a couple of technical answers, so Tosos himself answers uh, that they just Akash Baruch didn't want them to back out of it. Right, that yeah, they accepted the Torah, that's obviously true, but Hashem wanted to make sure that it wouldn't back out. Okay, the Marsha says that Nasa wasn't a full Kabbalah. Okay, it was just kind of like, yeah, we're in. And we'll talk about that in a second. I elaborate on that kind of emotion in a second. And then Hashem wanted to make sure and kind of like seal the deal. And uh, another approach to their Maharal, the Maharal writes that they, uh, Hashem didn't want B'nai Shal to think that keeping the Torah was dependent on their Bechira. It was dependent on, yeah, we, you know, B'nai Yisrael and the Midbar, they opted in, but we shouldn't think that we, later on, can opt out. Right? Just like B'nai Yisrael said, Nashim and Ishma, they chose to follow the Torah. Hashem didn't want them to think, okay, now you ha- everybody has that choice, right? Nope, once you accepted it, right, so that's, that's it, right? There's no, there's no option to back out, right? We have, uh, uh, you know, that's, it's, it's the brisk between us and Kosh Baruch Hu, and it's, it's not based on our own Bechir, it's not based, based on our own 
free will. But uh, okay, but let's let's um, let's get some some more inspirational stuff in here. The Afla, the Afla writes something beautiful. He says that Nasev and Ishma, and versus Kafalim Harkagigas, that when Ben Israel said we will do and we will hear, as opposed to being forced into it, he said that Nasev and Ishma, when Ben Israel volunteered, that's like Avas Ishlariyehu. That was like the the love between friends. Uh, but kafia, but kafa lam harkigigis, that I mean, and that demonstrated a love between Bnei Yisrael and Akash Baruch Hu on the level of let's say friendship, uh, to explain it in the, the vernacular. But kafa lam harkigigis, when Hashem forced it, when Hashem held the mountain over their head, that was like avas av lebno. That was like this the love between a father and a son, between a mother uh, and a daughter. And uh, it, what he explains is that sometimes a father has to do something that his child doesn't like. Sometimes a parent has to do something that they know the the kid will not be happy with, but it's for the kid's own good, right? To do, and the kid is not interested. He's it's against his will. He's forcing him to do this. Right? My kid uh, today needed a you know my eight year old needed a filling for at the dentist. He didn't want it. He was upset when he got it. He was crying and screaming the whole time. But as a parent, we know that's the best thing for him because otherwise his tooth, you know, well, the cavity will get bigger and the tooth will just, you know, have issues, etc. So we need to force him. So that's what, that's the imagery that the Gemara is going for. That a Kosh Baruch who loves us so much, not only are we friends, that we opt in and we voluntarily do things for each other, like Nasser Nishma, but sometimes Hashem loves us so much, our, our, our bond is so strong that Hashem knows what's best for us. And he's sometimes going to have to force us to do things, even though... Right? It won't be right, with something that we're so comfortable with. So that was the imagery that Agosh Baruch Hu, that the Gemara wants to give, that our relationship with Hashem is, so, is such that it's like a, a parent uh, to a child. And sometimes, right, again, for our own lives, we have to realize that sometimes, you know, it may not be comfortable what's going on, but Gamzal Tova and Agosh Baruch Hu is doing it uh, for our own good. Similarly, along the same lines, right, uh, not exactly the same, but uh, I think it's the, the, you pronounce the, the name of the Sefer is Mitas Yado. Uh, it's a Sefer from Matziyahu Madnitsky. Uh, so I, I saw it quoted in the, uh, the Msifta, the Gemara, on, uh, in, uh, on Shabbos. So he says, based on the Rambam, uh, in Hilchos Gerishin, Perik Beis, Halachachaf. The context of that Rambam is fascinating. The Rambam says that uh, you know, if a person doesn't want to give his wife a get, Rahman al-Tzlan, right, we can beat him, right, we can force him, we can do things to him, until he says wrote Ani, until he says that he wants to. Meaning, again, he's, uh, and, and that is considered to be an, an acceptable form of Ratzon, an acceptable form of willingness, right? A person has to, right, a husband has to give a get, a person has to give a get of his own free will. So if you beat him and kind of convince him to, the problem says that's good enough. Why? So not, I'm not, not interested in that right now, but the problem says why is because people actually want to do the mitzvah. People deep down want to do mitzvahs. It's just the Yitzhahara, and we'll elaborate on this in a second, it's just the Yitzhahara making them not do it. So, Akash Baruch also wanted to show that even though we were forced through Kfiyah, we were forced with Hashem holding the mountain over our heads, so really we wanted to accept the Torah willingly. How do you know they wanted to accept the Torah willingly? Because they said, Nasa Vanishma. So you combine the two. They're not contradictory at all. Right? They, they combine the two. Hashem, B'nai Israel wanted Nasa Vanishma. Hashem had the, held the mountain over their head right, to show that even when the Yitzhahara is overcoming you and maybe you're not interested in so much in keeping the Torah, still, still, that's what you really want. That is what you really want down deep down. And it's only the Yitzhahara who's, who's causing you not to keep the Torah right, at that moment. Uh, again, something for us to keep in mind that you know when we're having a difficult time spiritually, really it's not uh, it's not who we are. We deep down are in neshama, and we do want to keep the Torah as just the Yitzhahara, right? And other things that are getting uh, getting in our way. 
This was MS, and the Baal also, which will explain, will elaborate in a little bit different language. Uh, this was MS says uh, a beautiful shot, not much a beautiful shot, that is also super relevant for us. He said that Nasavanishma was said with great inspiration. Right? Ben Israel got out of Mitzrayim, all the Makos, the miracles. 49 days later, there are other miracles that's been happening. There's the war with Amalek, there's Right, obviously, Kriyas Yamsuf, there's Naman, there's the Bear Miriam, there's, uh, you know, they were in a place called Mara, and the waters were bitter, Moshe threw a tree in, the waters became sweet, right? all these amazing miracles, Ananiah Kavod, etc., happening to them, right, on the way to Har Sinai, they see Hashem, basically, on the mountain, with fire and brimstone and, and lightning and smoke and all this type of stuff, Na Seven Ishma, we will do and we will hear. Since it's MS, I mean, it's beautiful and all, but... Obviously, they're going to say that. What is it? They've just gone through the most incredible, you know, couple of months in the history of humanity. Right? With revelation and seeing God, obviously, they're going to opt in. Right? Obviously, it's, it's terribly inspired. It's like, can you imagine, like, whenever you take a Kabbalah punch amongst yourself, right? after a tremendous speech, and forget a tremendous speech, let's say a tremendous couple of months, right, after seminary and after yeshiva, right, you're ready to go, you're ready to tackle the world, you're ready to be, you know, the next Godelador. Uh, but later, right, right, later, things are not as inspiring, right? And maybe the, the luster of that wears off. So, Kosh Baruch when he up overturned the mountain, right, over, over B'nai Israel, he wanted to say, hey, listen, you're also chayim in the Torah when you're not inspired, right? You also have to keep the Torah when it's not, you know, so, so exciting and, and uh, you know, inspirational. Right? Listen, Torah is a way of life. It's not only when you know you've had all these miracles happen to you and you're and you're you know totally focused. So that was you know kind of the rest of the message of, of Kafalei Mark Gigas that yes, Bnei Yisrael said not seven Ishma. Kosh Bar was like, okay, great, fantastic. I'm just letting you know it, do, it it's not always as fluffy. It's not always the life is not always rainbows and uh, and cupcakes or whatever. Uh, Ramelech quotes the Baal Shem Tov and Kesar Shem Tov. And he says along, writes this along the same lines. He says it's not such a great thing. Let's say not seven Ishmael when you're on a high, climbing forty nine levels of Tumah, right, with Ashras, Ashkin, etc. And since the Kosh knew that things wouldn't always be this good, right, that there would be a darkness eventually, and certainly there's been many periods of darkness in Jewish history. So he showed Bnei Yisrael that he hinted to that by overturning the mountain, right, and making it right, again it was dark, right, so that it would so they would accept all Torah and Mitzvos in any situation. Right, even when they have to force themselves to do so, which is, uh, as the Baal Shem Tov writes, that's the true Kabbalah Torah, right? To keep the Torah when things aren't so good, right? It's, it's very nice to keep the Torah when everything is great, but to keep the Torah even when things are tough, right, that's the true Kabbalah Torah. That really shows right, what, uh, what we think and, and how much we value the Torah. Similarly, uh, Rav Melech quotes the, the Lelavareva, I think, Lelav, Lelav, not sure, uh, Lelavareva, who explains explained based on the Gemara and Sukkah and Daphne based. Fascinating Gemara and Sukkah says that in, inevitably, eventually, Kosh Baruch Hu is going to shecht the Yitzhahara. Right? Inevitably, Kosh Baruch Hu is going to shecht the Yitzhahara. To the Tzadikim, the Yitzhahara will look like a giant mountain, says the Gemara, and to the Rishayim, he'll appear like a tiny thread. Right? And both the Tzadikim and the Rishayim will be crying. The Tzadikim will be saying, how do we ever overcome this huge mountain? And the Rishayim will be saying, how could we not overcome this tiny little threat? So that, that's the Gemara of Dafnan Beis. It says, the Lelavareba, the Yitzhahara is compared to a huge mountain. Right? So tzadikim are going to see the Yitzhahara, they're going to see a huge mountain. So what's going on over here? So he says that at Maimon Arsinai, right, the Bnei Yisrael, the, the phrase is in Chazal, which basically means that they lost the Yitzhahara to a certain extent. They saw Akash Barcho, right? How, how could, there's no Yitzhahara when you see fire and brimstone and God speaks to you literally. 
So Kosh Baruch Hu says Lalav Rebbe, but Hashem doesn't want our service, our avodas Hashem in that manner. Right? Hashem already has thousands upon thousands of perfect angels up in Shemayim who don't have a Yitzhahara. Right? He doesn't need more creations down here on earth to worship Him and, and be over Him in the same way. So Hashem, Kafalem Har Yigis. In other words, He took the Har, He took the Yitzhahara, as a Gemara right, compares him to this, He took the Yitzhahara and gave it back to us and put it back in us so that we would have someone to fight and make that avoda. Uh, that that Hashem is looking for, right? Hashem already had people to serve him without question. Now, us, he turns to us, humanity, right, to overcome the Yitzhahara, right, and grow stronger, uh, you know, through, and, and, and be over to Hashem through difficulty, through fighting the Yitzhahara and overcoming, right, a force that kind of is dragging us down. Again, super important for us to remember that life is supposed to be tough, right? Most Hashem is supposed to be tough. It's supposed to be amazing. It's supposed to be rewarding. It's supposed to be fulfilling, but it's not always so easy, right? And the whole point is for us to be Mikadosh Shemayim when things are tougher, when we're having a hard time with this halacha or that halacha or this influence or that influence or things are going on in your life are a little bit kind of convoluted. So that's our avoda. Our avoda is to fight the Yitzhahara and be Mikadosh Shemayim in that matter. And that's why Kosh Baruch Hu Kavalei gave us back our Yitzhahara so that we could fulfill the Torah right, under those circumstances. Okay, the last point we'll mention I'll, I heard from uh, Rabbi Jiji Shachter when I was in YU, uh, and I saw it later quoted by, uh, in a sefer of Aish Moshe by Rabbi Moshe Soloveitchik, um, and the word is like this. If you notice the Gemara, notice the Gemara has a very strange language. It says, Akash Baruch Hu picked up the mountain, overturned it like a barrel, and hung it over their heads. And he put it over their heads. It says, uh, Rabbi Shachter and, and Rabbi Moshe, Moshe Soloveitchik, what's the barrel? What do you need a barrel for? The Gemara could have just been like, Hashem picked the mountain and held it over their heads. That's not what the Gemara says. The Gemara says, Hashem overturned the mountain like a barrel. What, 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 what is that? What's, what's that? What's necessary? What is that? What are you talking about? What is that even? Why is that there? Like, it's such an odd way to phrase it. Furthermore, he says, if you look at the language of the Gemara, the Gemara is a little bit different. It says, Shom Roschem. That if you, if you accept the Torah, great. But if not, there will be your burial ground. And we all know the, the dreidel, the, the two different dreidels in Eretz Yisrael and Chutzlaretz. Right? In, in Israel it says, Po. In Chutzlaretz it says, Sham. Right? Why does it say, Sham take Furoschem? Right? What's Po? And Neskadol Haya Po, a great miracle happened here. Right? Neskadol Haya Sham, a great miracle happened there. Why does the Gemara say, Sham? That there will be your burial ground. It should have said, Po take Furoschem. Here will be your burial ground. Why does Kosh Baruch say, oh, if you accept the Torah, great, but if not, there will be your burial ground. What do, you, what do you mean there? Hashem is threatening the mountain to drop it on their heads. It's right here. So he says in a beautiful word, he says, if, if uh, just to illustrate, if you've ever trapped a bee, right? if you ever have a bees in the sukkah, right? you ever put a cup over a bee, right? trapped, a cup, uh, trapped a bee in a cup, so does the bee die right away? No, it doesn't die right away. When does it die? It dies eventually because... It ran out of oxygen. So it says, uh, uh, that's exactly the imagery right here. The Kosh Baruch was telling Bnei Yisrael, listen, the Torah is life. Right? The Torah is what is going to keep you alive. Right? If you want it, great. If you don't, you're going to run out of oxygen eventually. You're not going to die right now. Hashem wasn't threatening to drop the mountain on his head. But he said what will happen is, is if you don't accept the Torah, you're just going to end up like all the other nations. Right, kind of in your own under in your own trap of trapped in, under your own cup, 
And eventually the oxygen, the oxygen is going to run out. And Shamtek Furoskam, there eventually, in the future, at some point, right, you'll go the way of the you know, Roman Greeks, Persians, etc., etc. Uh, so the basically is telling them, this is, listen, this is what the Torah is. The Torah is a way of life. The Torah is a way to keep you alive. It's it's Chaim. It's literally Mayim Chaim. It's the way, it's the key to life. And if you accept it, so then you'll be fine. And if not, right, eventually, right, you'll run into issues. And I thought that it, the, the rest of the Gemara makes a lot of sense uh, according to that as well. Because what in the Gemara says, right, the Gemara finishes off that the, the Jews re-accepted the Torah in the times of Akashverosh. Right, the Gemara Darshan's Kimu Vikiblu Hayudim, they reaccepted Kimu Mashikiblu Kfar, that they accepted what they had already accepted. They reaffirmed what they already accepted. And the Gemara says that they reaffirmed their dedication and their commitment to the Torah. Well, if you understand what this if you explain it in that way, that Hashem was telling them, listen, this is the way you're going to keep yourself alive. Well, the first time they were threatened with extinction was Haman, more or less. Right? They went to Persia. Haman threatened to wipe out, threatened to wipe out everybody. What was Benesho's response? They didn't mass an army. They davened. They put sackcloth. They fasted. Right? They, they, they saw that that was what's going to keep them going. Right? There was a miracle, etc., etc. They knew that Mordechai and Esther explained that Kosh Baruch kind of rearranged things. So they saw for the first time that that was the MS. That was the truth. So they reaffirmed right, their belief that this is how the Torah works. They realized, yeah, you're right. In Echanami, Yitzchayimi, that's what's going to keep us going. It's not that we're going to you know, we're gonna fight against the Persian army. We're going to daven to Hashem. We're going to wear sackcloth. We're going to fast. And... And we're going to keep the Torah and do tshuva for, you know, the various that we did. And that's going to keep us going. So in that way, right, Kimu Vakiblu Ayyudim, they reaffirmed what, uh, what Akash Baruch uh, had told them at Har Sinai. And that, again, that's also something that's very, very important for us to keep in mind. That the Torah is not just a book of, a book of laws. It's a way of life. It's Yitzchayimhi. It's a way to keep us going. Uh, it's the elixir of life, if you would like, if you will. Um, and it's something to keep in mind when, when we're learning it, when we're studying it. It's not just uh, to know all the intricacies of of random halachos. It's to know what a Kosh Baruch expects of us and how we can live our life in the best way, right, and keep us going, right, for our generation, for our, not only for our generation, but for our children and our children's children, right, lasted Lovo. Okay, everybody, you're probably surprised by the change in quality of the recording. Um, and I realized uh, this is going to happen a lot over Saver Shmos. That last year, I didn't record um, long shirim. They were kind of short, quick, quick-hitting vortlach. Uh, and with the uh, Torah for the growth oriented Jewish teen coming out in Sefer Shmos, available now, shameless self-plug, um, there are more Divrei Torah for me to give over, so I figured I would record right what's uh, what's in the Sefer. Uh, so if you haven't yet gotten a copy, right, you can listen um, and uh, you know tell over the same Divrei Torah at your table. So a couple other uh, inyanim uh, from the Parsha. Again, we'll try and stay ra- away from Maimon Sinai because we already mentioned it, right, as you undoubtedly have just finished listening to. Uh, but let's, let's talk about a couple other things. So the Torah says, right, around Maimon Arsima, now that they say we're not going to talk about it, we'll, we'll mention something there and around it. Uh, the Torah says that, Vayichan Sham Negedahar, again, Vayichan Sham Yisrael Negedahar, right, famous Pesach made famous by a song. Uh, B'nai Yisrael camped there, right, across on the mountain, which we just mentioned. Uh, so Rashi points out, right, it says Vayichan, Right, that that's in the singular, right? Not in the plural, right? The plural will be Vayachanu. Uh and which would have obviously made much more sense since Bene Israel were holding by, you know, like three million people. And it's not as Rashi makes his famous comment, right? Again, it's a Mechilta, Kiishad Balevachad, right? Like one person and one heart. Right? Bene Israel were united, beautiful. Rukhaish Balevitz points makes a, an unbelievable point. He quotes Derech Erech Derech Eretz Zuta, which is a Masechta that was not included in Shas. Uh, and he says that um, since Bnei Yisrael hated Machlokas at that point, 
right? Hashem gave right that moment uh, to give them uh, the Torah. The unity was one of the reasons they were merit, right? The getting the Torah that then you know a lot of talk about unity nowadays. So then Baruch Hashem. So that's one of the reasons we were zocher to get the Torah at that point. But Rashi's statement seems to be a little bit extra, a little bit wordy. I mean, like we know the phrase "bishachabelevachad." Fine, right? We know "kishachabelevachad." One person, one whole, one heart. Beautiful. Why do you need to mention both of them? Right? Why do you need to say that Bnei Yisrael were like one person, like one heart? Obviously, a person has only one heart. Right? Either pick one or the other. Right? You don't need both. Right? Obviously, what is that adding? So, says Rav Chaim, Rashi is hinting. Fascinating shot by Rav Chaim Shmulez. Rashi is hinting that true achdus. A true unity is not only external, uh, but internal uh, as well. And when we speak about mitzvahs that are benadol lechavero, right, the Torah is not just prescribing, right, a bunch of you know actions for us to do just to make you know life better for the people around us, right. Obviously, that is valuable. But the concept of ishechad balevachad, right, is about when everybody cares about their fellow Jew on the inside, right, not with like fake smiles and friendly you know gestures or whatever, but on the inside as well. And he says that this halacha shows that this concept shows up in many areas of halacha benadol lechavero. For example, next week's parsha, parsha's mishpatim. Right, so this begins out talking about an evidivri. Right, you have to treat an evidivri uh, properly. Uh, and the pasuk says, uh, not 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 mishpatim, but it says in Vayikra when it also talks about an evidivri and uh, Vayikra parich it says lo sir de bo Right, you shouldn't do parich. Right, we know avudas parich from Nitzias Mitzrayim. Right, we don't give him heavy work via resem and be afraid. Right, of a kosh Rashi points out that the pasuk is not saying that you can't give. And have it every back-breaking work, although that's not that, that is true as well. That's not what the pasuk means. The pasuk is means that a person, uh, the master, should not ask the evid for something if he doesn't want it. Meaning, don't ask the evid to give him a hot drink, right? If you, you don't actually want one, even though the evid doesn't know the difference. What does he know? He's going to put the hot drink on the table. He's going to walk out of the room. You know, master goes back to typing on his computer. What does he know? Right? But it, it, it won't impact the evid. He won't feel right insulted. Right, master asked for a drink. Why would he think otherwise? So still, the Torah tells us uh, not to do that. How do you know? Because the Torah, end of the pasuk says, "Via Right, you should be a, you should fear a kosh Meaning, it's only about something right that a kosh would know about. And points out of Chayyim the Torah is not uh, cautioning a person against working too hard. It's not even cautioning the person against asking the servant for unnecessary work. That would be pogame that would damage his self-esteem. Right? The Torah is entirely speaking to the master's thoughts and feelings. Don't play games with other people, even if they won't find out about it. I.e., in other words, love your fellow right on the inside. Right after the Kamocha, right? One nation, one heart, one people, one heart. Right, one person, one heart. Right, one heart on the inside. Love them on the inside. He say Rav Chaim gives another example of this. He says by the Miraglim. Right, the Miraglim. Right, God, as you know, right, spoke Lashon Har about Eretz Yisrael, caused Bnei Yisrael to wander forty years in the desert. Right, being in Parsha Shlach, and the Torah says that a Kosh Baruch punished Bnei Yisrael mida kneged mida by making them wander forty years. Right, corresponding to the forty days right that the Miraglim were uh, in Eretz Yisrael. Right, Yom Lashana, Yom Lashana, one day for every year. Says Rav Chaim Shmuel, I understand. This, what was the sin of the spies? What was the sin of the Miraglim? Right, they spoke lush and hard about Eretz Yisrael. How long did that take? Like five minutes? Maybe it was an hour. Like, what is? It, what do you mean forty days? Forty days? What? Forty years? What? What are we talking about? How's like Mida Kenagimida? Sir Chaim says, yeah, that that was it. They they deserve punishment for the for the entire forty day tour because the attitude that they took 
Right, let's go, the thing they were thinking on the inside, let's go to Eretz Yisrael and find bad things to say about it, Lashon Hara, etc. That was the Avera. Yes, the Lashon Hara, right, it was so bad, the punishment for the Lashon Hara was so bad, is because it's not only the speech, it's the whole attitude, it's the insides, it's the thing, way we're thinking about other people, right, in our hearts. Right, the Lashon Hara is something that reflects a person's uh, inner thoughts and attitude, which is bad, right? which are bad about other people. And that's something that needs to be fixed up. And that's the true meaning of Binan Lachavero. That's really Lavtarecha Kamocha, not only externally, but internally right, as well. Right? And that's why it says Kishacha Belevachad, and that's the extra Lashon uh, in Rashi. Now, flipping back to the beginning of the parsha, probably should have uh, put this at the beginning, um, but it's okay. Uh, we'll just I wanted to mention the beginning of the parsha, which we probably should. It's called Yisro, right? We probably should mention uh, Yisro, uh, and and sure enough, we uh, many of us know that the Sarsa Dibros is in Yisro because you know we we kind of. Uh, spend a lot of time studying that parsha. Uh, Yisro usually falls out when, like, in between, like when there's nothing going on, like before Purim, right after Tu B'Shvat or around Tu B'Shvat. Okay, how many days you spend on Tu B'Shvat? Right? The parsha, right? All the teachers are right? <laughs> very excited to talk about something in the parsha. Right, something. It's kind of the winter, not so much going on. Anyway, um, but when you, so everybody knows that Sarah's Dibros is in Parsha Yisro. Why in the world is a Sarah's Dibros in Parsha Yisro? Right, this is revelation. Right, this is like the most important part of the Torah, or literally, right, the giving of the Torah. Right, why is it in Parsh Yisro? Right, who is Yisro? Yisro is Moshe's father-in-law. Okay, right, fine. What does that have to do with anything? Right, and, and the Parsha was called in his name? Okay, I get it. The Parshas weren't always the same. But even if you don't learn anything from the name of the Parsha, right, at least you should check out right, the, the episode that's right before Matan Torah, right, right before Revelation. Why would the Torah lead with this with this story, there's even Machlokas in the Gemara, I think it's at the end of the Zvachim, right, when Yisro showed up, right, so Machlokas, whether he showed up before or after Matan Torah, right, again, going back on that Machlokas, Rashi Ramban, whether there's an order to the Torah, right, Yishmuk Tamamukha Torah, if, if you hold that Yisro came after Harsinai, so then it's even more perplexing, it was even stranger, right, why uh, the Torah would put this story right before Matan Torah, before Revelation, right? And and certainly, right, the whole, if, okay, you want to say Moshe's family, fine, he came, but, but the whole thing with the judges and Yisro giving a suggestion, right, if you go through the Parsha, Yisro goes uh, through a suggestion, tells Moshe how to set up his court system, Moshe was sitting there judging everybody for 40 days, and Yisro was like, that's crazy, right, set up a system, go to the lower end courts and the higher courts, and then finally come... What does that have to do with anything? Like, it's, it's almost, it's like shocking when you think about it. How did I never think about this before? Um, why is this, uh, you know, the kind of the prelude uh, to, uh, to Maimon Harsina? So Rav Pincus points out, unbelievably, an unbelievable shot. He, sa- he says that this is actually the perfect introduction uh, to Maimon Harsina, and he brings out a basic Yisod, right, in, uh, in Yiddishkeit. He says that Yisro did not come to the desert, right, to, to Midbar Sinai, because he had suddenly found of a Kosh Baruch Right? He knew about a Kosh Baruch Hu, right? He was in Mitzrayim, right? He was an advisor to Paro, and Midrash, I'm talking about right, him and Bilam and and, uh, and Eov, right? Okay, Yisro knew, right, the, the God of the Jews. Again, we, we, say, we say, the Pesach says, Elohim. Now, now the God is, now Yisro said, now I know that God is greater than all the other gods with the lowercase g, uh, lowercase g. He knew a Kosh Baruch Hu, right? He, but now, he, again, that's what, that's what Yisro said to him, right? He was aware. But what, why, why did Yisro come? Right. How did Yisro, not why did Yisro come, I already Rashi quotes Mechilta, but why, what it caused Yisro to realize right, that Akash Baruch Hu, right, is, is the true God. So there, there are a couple of opinions, right, a couple in the Midrashim, 
uh, one one of the Midrashims, I forget if it's Perkins or Belezer, but where I saw it, uh, it says that he realized that Akash Baruch Hu punished Midah Kineged Midah, and that was very appealing. Okay. But if Pinka says that Yisro was not looking for a God figure in his life, right? There were plenty, he had plenty of those, right? Like plenty of Odazara, right? you know, stored in his attic or whatever. But he was looking for a relationship with the religion, and more specifically, the relationship with the God of the religion. Uh, and and a relationship with a Kosh Baruch and the other way around, that a Kosh Baruch relationship uh, with uh, with him. So when Yisrael found out that Moshe, right, all of a sudden had been become, become the newly promoted, you know, most powerful person in the world and leading, you know, a new ish religion, right, doing all these miracles, brought them to Harsinai to, to, for revolution. Yisrael figured he had a great opportunity, right? Again, Hashem had revealed himself to the world by doing all the makos. It, also pointed out that his number one servant was Moshe Rabbeinu, and oh, by the way, that was Yisro's son-in-law. So Yisro was like, okay, perfect, let's go see right, what the, you know, the relationship Hashem has uh, with his people, with his the people who worship him. Um, so Yisro right, sent Moshe a message, right, a fascinating message that says that Yisro had shot an arrow through the Anani HaKavod, and the Anani HaKavod right, normally right, repelled all the Right, the, the things that the Mitzrim, for example, threw at it, the rocks and the arrows, etc. But the, this arrow came through, right, okay, had a message on it. Yisro, you know, said, hey, uh, father-in-law coming to visit, right? <laughs> Let me, I'll be there soon. Now, with all jokes aside about in-laws, right, Yisro probably figured, right, he'd get an out-of-office message, right, from Moshe. Right, again, okay, listen, you know, I'm busy here running a nation, right, starting a new religion, uh, I'll send somebody to pick you up. I'll set you up nice, but uh, you know, it's nice to hear from you. Hope everything's good. Send my love. Right. <laughs> so he probably thought that that's what the response he was going to get. Instead, what happened? Right. Puzzik says very clearly. Moshe went out to greet him, hugged him, kissed him, brought the shivin zakanim, brought him home, made a whole feast. Right? He, he, he gave him the royal treatment. Right? So, what, by that, Yisro realized that Moshe, and by extension, Akash Baruch Hu, right, still had time for personal relationship with each and every person. Right? That, that was something that was fascinating. That was part A. B, right, then, then Yisro right, made a suggestion. Now, again, jokes about in-laws aside, right, you make a suggestion. Right? In-laws, and, and both directions, right, when parents-in-law and sons-in-law and daughters-in-law, etc., make suggestions to each other, it's not always received with, uh, you know, <laughs> the greatest of uh, excitement. So, Moshe, like, Moshe, can you imagine, like, Moshe's sitting there all day, judging the people, and the Yisro's like, you're doing it all wrong. Do it like this. And what it, Yisro, again, also probably figured that Moshe would be like, okay, but I'm the prophet here, and I make the rules. That's not what Moshe did. Moshe, what did he do? He Not only did he do that, in Puzzle says he did everything. By Ask Kol Amar, that Yisro, Moshe did everything that Yisro told him. So Yisro really... Right. After that, he realized, you know what? This is right. This is a religion I can get behind. This is a God whose prophets relate to the people on a personal level, and therefore, Kosh Baruch Hu also relates to him on a personal level. This is a this is a Kosh Baruch Hu. This is a Kosh Baruch Hu. This is a God I can get behind. And immediately after this story, the Torah launches into Maimon Sinai, says Rapinkos, to teach us that that is exactly the relationship that we're supposed to have, that our religion is a relationship with Akash Baruch Hu. It's not just a mighty being with a bunch of laws that he just dropped on us. It, it's a relationship uh, that is that Akash Baruch Hu wants, and that is, you know, that's something that we're supposed to have. And this is a crucial yisot, right? It's a crucial yisot for Yiddishkeit, right? That, uh, that again, like I said, right, that, that, that's the, a perfect introduction right, into Maimon Har Sinai, uh, into the revelation and the whole giving of the Torah, right? and Akash Baruch Hu, you know, showing uh, the world exactly uh, the kind of 
way he wants to interact with us, uh, that he cares about us on a very, very personal level. Okay, well, we wish everybody a tremendous Shabbos, uh, and we'll see you guys next week. Mitzvah Shem, we're in a main cater outside.